Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Okay, pay attention. I come this way but once. These, this is one of those days. Every once in a while, I will run into people who say, Jeff, I, I'm I'm thinking about going into, I, I want a career, and I, I'm thinking about, I, I'd like to be like in television news. Or I run into parents who say, my kid's in school, and they're studying communications, and they want to go into TV news. What do you think about that? And I always think about days exactly like today. Because here's, here's the first thing. Generally speaking, if, if you're a reporter at a local station in TV news, and there are some exceptions, the, the money's not great. I mean, it, it's not like they're, they're throwing dough at you, especially if you're a young reporter. Now, maybe if you're, you know, if you make it to the networks in New York, it might be different. But in general, it's not like they're throwing money at you. And, and secondly, for anybody who thinks that there's all this glamour in being a local TV reporter, all you have to do is do what I've done this morning. Just just turn on the TV and, and watch the news accounts because you have all these poor you-know-whats, and they send them out, and they make them stand in the snow doing the most inane things in the world. I was just looking at one, some guy sitting here saying, oh, look, this walk hasn't been shoveled. And here, let me let me put my foot into it, and we'll, we'll see. This comes up like five inches. Okay, you know, it's just like, yeah, that that's, I got it, I got news for you, you're, you're not breaking the Watergate scandal, okay, it's here, I'm standing on the sidewalk, trying to find some place that they haven't shoveled, and look, I'll stand in this, and, or you sit there and you say, oh boy, the, the roads are snow-covered and slippery, and I understand that they are performing a service, I am just saying, if you think that there is glamour in being a TV news reporter, trust me, about the third time you have been standing in the snow at a truck stop in Kenosha, waiting and waiting and waiting in the cold to do a, a 40-second uh, live shot saying, hey, I'm standing in the cold in the snow at this truck stop in Kenosha, y- y- you'll see that the glamour kind of goes down. As I said a minute ago, look, we're we're getting whumped with this, and, and there is this degree of irony. My, my wife is coming back. She's been gone for a couple weeks out of town. She's coming back from Florida. Three o'clock today, her flight's supposed to land. You know, and it's kind of like, all right, we, we've had this whole winter where we haven't had these major snowstorms. But interestingly, um, a friend of mine is going down there. His flight got out this morning, and as far as I can tell, her flight should be leaving like right about now. It's, it's, it shows like it's on time and stuff. So, because I, I, I was thinking, man, there's just no way this stuff is going to work. But it, it shows how well we do snow. And I said this a couple minutes ago when I was talking to Steve Scafidi. I, I, I understand maybe. Maybe the show would be better if I came on and I ranted about this and said, hey, let's open up the phone lines, and are you having trouble, and how ro- terrible are the roads? But the truth is, we've gotten a lot of snow around here, and it, it, the roads are passable. Now, I'm not saying they're great. They're snow-covered. They're slippery. But given how much the wind has blown, given how much snow we've gotten, I think the people from the various DPWs you know, a- around our area deserve a lot of credit because snowstorms like this 25 years ago would have shut down this town. Snowstorms like this in many towns would have shut the town down for two or three days. And pretty much now it's business as usual. Now, I, again, you, you got to be careful. You got to drive slowly. And to the trucks that were passing me at 75 and 80 miles an hour on the freeway, well, I'll, I'll see you down the road, probably in the ditch. But if you're smart about this, if you, you know, pay attention, if you're careful, you're, you're able to get around after we've been whooped with the weather. And 
just because I'm feeling in one of these kind of upbeat moods today. I don't exactly know why, but I, I'm looking at the 10-day forecast, and I understand we're, we're getting a lot of snow today, but we're we're at the end of January. Today is January 26th, and I can remember even in the recent past, this isn't back when I was a kid and we had to walk up st- uphill, t- but you know, both to and from school. No, it, this is, I mean, remember a couple of years ago, you had the polar vortexes and you'd have like 10 inches of snow and then we'd be followed by 15 degree below zero weather that seemed to hang on forever. That That's not what this is. I mean, I'm looking at the 10 day forecast and the snow is going to be out of here sometime this afternoon and then after that you uh, the, the 10-day forecast next couple days the highs are in the mid-20s um tomorrow supposed to be cold at night but then after that high 23 high 29 by the weekend you know it's it's in the 30s and you know through next thursday i'm looking at temperatures that are above freezing and, and this this takes you through, you know, the beginning part of February. Now, I understand that you can get more snow and you can certainly get cold when we're in February, but February is 28 days and, and, and you can get cold and snow in March, but the chances of it just hanging on aren't that great. So in, in general, even on a day like today where we're getting whooped by a lot of snow, I, I think we've been pretty lucky this, this winter. And I, I kind of stand by that. And, um, winter, you know, we're already almost through January, and that means February, March, April, and then we have spring. Okay, let us get started. I am curious about your reaction to this. Does everybody know Officer Joseph Mensah? Joseph Mensah was the former Wauwatosa police officer who was essentially run out of Wauwatosa on a rail. About a year ago, February, last February, he was involved in a shooting incident at at Mayfair Mall involving a 17-year-old kid with a gun that that became he became the target of you know some of the these protest groups and you can describe them however you want but they they wanted Mensa they went after Mensa oh this is this terrible cop and he by the way happens to be black now he, the dynamic would have been completely different if he had been white but he was black but the groups went out at, went after him anyways the shooting was thoroughly investigated it was determined that there was no criminal responsibility he what he did was within his procedures this was the third time that he had been involved in a fatal shooting in a series of years. All three had been thoroughly investigated and determined that he, he did the right thing. I, I don't think I'm telling tales out of school when I tell you that I've had an opportunity to talk to Wauwatosa Police Chief Barry Weber. And, and Weber th- always told me he thought he was a good cop. He thought he was a good cop who got himself involved through no fault of his own in life-threatening situations and who behaved accordingly. Anyhow, Mensa became a hot potato in Wauwatosa. There's no question about it. You had these protest groups that were trying to force him out. You had an investigation where they concluded, well, you know, there, there might be people that um, try to, if he continues to be in Wauwatosa, you might have people that try to, you know, force him or egg him on or try to get him into situations where he, he does something that's wrong. And I, I think that there is an element to that. And that's why I said I thought even though there wasn't any evidence that he did anything wrong, it was in the interest of Officer Mensa to separate from Wauwatosa. Sometimes you just you become too much of a hot potato. You, you need a change of scenery. Well, Joseph Mensa is getting that change of scenery. Here is a statement from the Waukesha County Sheriff, Eric Severson, dated uh, yesterday. 
I have extended an employment offer to Mr. Joseph Mensah, which he has accepted for the position of deputy sheriff. Mr. Mensah progressed through an extensive, thorough, and exhaustive hiring process. While some have expressed concerns about Mr. Mensah's past uses of force, I assembled a team who exhaustively reviewed his previous work history. I have concluded, along with the Milwaukee DA, the Wauwatosa Police Department, the Milwaukee Police Department, as well as an independent investigation conducted by Wauwatosa Police and Fire Commission, that Mr. Mensah's use of force was consistent with federal and state laws, Wisconsin training, and uniformly applied police policy. This is consistent with all other investigations. Mr. Mensah will enter a supervised field training program where he will be afforded the same opportunities as every other deputy working for the Waukesha County Sheriff's Office. So Joseph Mensah has been hired by the Waukesha County Sheriff's Office. This training thing, I assume, is kind of like the probationary period and thing that they put all the deputies through. But but he's going to get his badge back, and he will continue in law enforcement in southeastern Wisconsin. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I am sure that this decision by the Waukesha County Sheriff is being met, met with outrage in some circles. Me? If he was me, I, I think, while I think it was good that he left the Wauwatosa Police Department, nothing that I have seen suggests to me that he should not be allowed to continue his career in law enforcement. It's certainly a controversial hire, but I don't think it's a bad one. 855-616-1620, what do you think? You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I convince I, I confess I'm a little bit surprised, not necessarily that this happened, but it happened as close to home. If you are just tuning in, Joseph Mensah, the former Wauwatosa police officer who was the subject of all the protests and all the controversies, ultimately cleared in connection with a shooting that he engaged in in February, but he reached a separation agreement with the Wauwatosa Fire and Police Commission, a, 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 an agreement that I think was, was probably in the interest of everybody because I, I do think that there was an element. If Officer Mensah had stayed on the Wauwatosa Police Force, he was so controversial that you knew that every time he tried to do anything in connection with law enforcement, traffic stop or whatever, you knew that there was a chance that somebody would be there trying to, I don't know, encourage him or egg him on to try to do something wrong. I just think it was best that there was a parting of the ways. But that didn't mean he was a bad cop, and it didn't mean he shouldn't be entitled to a new job. And that's exactly what has happened. Just a few months after leaving Wauwatosa, he has been hired to be a Waukesha County Sheriff's Deputy. Um, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jeff, I think it's great. Mensa got another job. I'm surprised he took one so close to Wauwatosa. Had he been employed in another area further away, it probably wouldn't have been noticed. Well, I, I don't know that I necessarily agree with that because, again, there, there's people that, that made Joseph Mensa. He was the, the poster child for 
the the belief that they think that there's systematic violence against persons of color and things of the like, putting aside the fact that Officer Mensa is a person of color himself. And, and I think wherever he went, you knew there would be a degree of controversy. I actually give the Waukesha County Sheriff a lot of credit for being willing to say, "Hey, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give this guy a job. I don't see anything that tells me that that he should not be entitled to be in law enforcement, and I'm going to treat him like I would any other sheriff's." Deputy Jeff, um, I think Officer Mensa deserves his chance. I believe he's a good police officer, and this is what he wants to do. Unfortunately, I feel he will not be treated fairly and will deal with a lot of controversy moving forward, especially being so close to Wauwatosa. Well, you, I, I can imagine what's going to happen next is, as soon as the weather gets a little bit nicer, you're going to see a lot of those protesters who were... I don't know, occupying the Cheesecake Factory in, in Mayfair and shutting down Mayfair Mall. Uh, don't be surprised if you see them out in Waukesha. Um, let's see, 855-616-1620. What a great thing for Officer Mensa. I think this is truly turning lemons into lemonade. Um, Jeff, I seem to recall a time when police went to the front of the threat to protect the public and were regarded as heroic. The job requires courage and quick judgment. Not everyone has that. He seems to. You know, I, I remember I, that one of the arguments about him was, well, you know, he, he's there, there are and there are police officers who go their entire career and never have to draw their firearm. And, and that's that, that's true. There is an element of truth to that. But I can remember discussing this with with Chief Barry Weber, who I've known for decades. And again, I don't think I'm telling tales out of school. And the, when, when the point that Chief Weber made, he says, look, here, here's the thing that people don't understand about police officers. You you don't get to pick and choose what calls you go on. I mean, you, you, you know, you're, you're told, hey, there's a disturbance at Mayfair Mall. Go check it out. And you've got a kid with a gun who points it. You're, you're told, hey, it's 3.30 in the morning or 3 o'clock in the morning or whatever. There, there's this car that's parked where it's not supposed to be in this park. Go, go investigate. And you find some guy who's in the car with a gun that he points at you. Okay, the police officers, they don't get to pick you know, which calls they answer. And so in in many respects, while it's true that some officers go their entire career and don't have to pull their gun, that doesn't mean that the ones who do are are necessarily, are forget even necessarily, it doesn't mean the ones who do are bad cops. It means that they find themselves in circumstances maybe that are not of their own making. And that's why you have the investigations. And in this case, he has been investigated thoroughly. They've determined that he did nothing wrong. At least there's nothing that would have been the basis for any sort of criminal charges and things like that. I don't think that there's even the basis for any sort of like civil or disciplinary action. Now, I understand there's going to be some law suits because there's always people out there who are going to raise claims and are going to have issues and are going to try to collect money and things like that. And that all plays out. But as far as the decision to hire him, as long as the sheriff found nothing disqualifying in his background, the fact that you had some people that were upset with him in Wauwatosa, to me, that's not a basis for saying you cannot continue your career in law enforcement. And so I think that's kind of good news. It's a controversial decision by the Waukesha County Sheriff. I'll be curious to see where the protesters come down on and and whether this becomes a hot potato in Waukesha. If it does, my guess is the sheriff can handle that. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 
Interesting text here. Jeff, I really wonder how Officer Mensa feels about this being made public. Uh, could just mean more, more trouble for him in the Waukesha County Sheriff's De- Department. Very happy he, he has a new job. He deserves that. I just don't understand why it was made public. And I'm in Wauwatosa, to which my response was that, look, the reality is this was not, there was no way that this wasn't going to become public. I mean, it, he, like I said at the start of my conversation, Officer Mensa is a huge hot potato. I mean, that, that that's it. Very, very, he's be, been thrust into the public eye and you know when when government agencies when public agencies do hiring that that becomes public so it, it was going to become public i think what happened is the the sheriff in waukesha county made a decision to to get out in front of it which is why they put out the the press release that they did they, they said look here's the deal we've hired him we don't think there's any basis not to hire him. He's going to be treated like any other deputy is, period. And then you kind of end it. You make it perhaps a one-day story. Now, again, I'm not naive enough to think that there's not going to be people to protest or stuff like that. But from the perspective of making it public, you do it now. You explain what your thinking was. And I doubt that the sheriff's going to have any more comment on it. Quite candidly, if I were him, I, I wouldn't. I'd say, look, I, everything I've said about this, I've said in the press statement, I think the guy is entitled to the job. I think he's qualified for the job, period. Time to move on. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. All right. What what do you think? Is going to happen. I, um, I, I'm, I'm curious. I'm fascinated to find out what your reaction to this story is. This is a story out of Tacoma, Washington. Maybe you've seen the video of this. Maybe not. But I can describe it. All right. Saturday evening, about six o'clock at night, the police were called to an area. And, and Tacoma is a small town, about a half hour outside of Seattle, a little bit south of it. And it's an industrial town. What happened is police were called because there was a large group of people who had gathered um, to watch illegal street racing. You know, it, it's kind of like the, the street party, people blocking the intersections, and there's this illegal street racing racing going on. The police had showed up to try to disperse the crowd, but the crowd decided it did not want to go. All right, so there's about 100 people that are blocking the intersection. The police, they're, they're not going. All right, the police are saying, got to disperse. They're not dispersing. There's one police officer, a Tacoma police officer, guy, he's 58 years old. He's been on the force for like 30 plus years. And he's, he's by himself. He's in an SUV. And, and he's pulled the SUV up to the area where this crowd is. And, you know, he's got the sirens on, please disperse, all that type of stuff. Um, the crowd won't. What happens then is the crowd, surrounds the police officer, surrounds the vehicle. Now, he's in the vehicle, but they have now surrounded the vehicle, front, back, sides. People are starting to bang on the car and hit the windows. So the officer's by himself. He's in this SUV. You are now surrounded by this mob, and people are smacking the windows. They're banging on, on the car, and he's he's in the car, but but he, he's trapped in the car, and there's all these people. There's nowhere for the car to go, and people are banging on the windows. At that point in time, what the officer does is he hits the gas, 
And he the and if you've seen the video, that the car goes forward. It's not the reports were like officer drives into crowd. It's not like he was driving sixty miles an hour or anything. But yeah, there, there's people that are hanging on the car that are blocking its progress. And and yes, he starts the car. And he starts to move the car forward, and people go flying. And I think what ulti- nobody was killed. Two people were injured and were hospitalized because they kind of like get hit by the car or fall off the car or, or whatever. No other injuries are there, but but people are just outraged. And this is the story. It's like, well, you know, what? How, how dare he? He drove his car into the crowd, and that's. That's not really accurate. He was in the crowd. The crowd had swarmed on him, were banging on the cars, pounding on the windows, and he drove the car to get out of the crowd. At that point in time, once he got through, the officer stopped, called for medical aid. All right, so it's not like he just drove off, but but he did. People would not move. They wouldn't get out of the way. They had swarmed on the car. They were banging on the windows. They were banging on the car. And, yeah, he hit the gas, and he went forward to get out of the mob. And that's what the officers, this the statement of the officers. He feared for his safety, wasn't sure what this mob was going to do. And, yeah, he, he was going to get out of there. Well, there is a degree of outrage. There are some protests, not huge protests, interestingly, over the last two nights, but a couple protests, um, I'm looking at the story in the Washington Post about this. We want to see the officer actually fired and charged, um, said somebody who was at the protest who held a defund the police sign. Paid vacation isn't a punishment. All right, let's tee this up. Our number, 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Should the officer be fired? And I think that's a fair recitation of circumstances. He's by himself in a vehicle. The vehicle is surrounded by a mob of people who are beating on the vehicle. And, yeah, he hits the gas to move through the crowd to get to safety. All right. Did the officer perform? Did he do anything wrong? What was he supposed to do? Was he supposed to just sit there and let people break the windows? I mean, at at what point in time after you've told people to move and they refuse to do it, do you have a right to try to get out of what could have been a life-threatening situation? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And in this particular case, I, I don't... I don't think that there is a, a racial element to this. I mean, sometimes with the shootings, there there are. In this case, you know, you've got a bunch of people who are gathered. They decide they're not going to pay attention to the police. They surround the car. 855-616-1620. Should he be charged? Should he be fired? I, unless there's more, i got to tell you, I'm not seeing it. What do you think is going to happen when you, as part of a mob, swarm a police vehicle like this? We discuss in a moment. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, here's our first text on this. Jeff, I think it's an insane question you're asking. What should happen is the mob should be sent to prison, including the injured criminals. Well, I guess that's one way of looking at this. Jeff, this is exactly what I told my loved ones to do if they found themselves in an area where a um, riot protest surrounds your vehicle. Doors locked, don't stop. Jeff, I'd probably make a few speed bumps out of the angry mob myself. He'll most likely get suspended, maybe fired, lose his pension, just because that's how the world works these days. Um, Well, you know, I'm just telling you that in this particular situation, I'm looking at it in the headlines. You want to talk about how the media operates. The headline is officer drives into crowd. 
Well, again, that's you, you hear that, you get the idea that this guy's going 60 miles an hour driving into a crowd. That is not what happened. His vehicle is swarmed while it is in the middle of a crowd. It is swarmed by people who are banging on the windows and banging on the car, refusing to disperse. They are trying to destroy it, break the windows and get in, and he drives to get out of the crowd. To me, it's a it's a difference. 855-616-1620. Let's start with Dave in Waukesha. Dave, you're first. Hello. Hey, how you doing? I'm glad you took my call because I'm plowing. i got to get out of the truck to shovel in a second. <laughs> okay, well, good. I'm glad you're calling. <laughs> what do you think? I saw the video last night. And I got to tell you, I saw the guy, he ran, he ran over. I only saw one guy really that looked like he got hurt, the guy that got run over by the back right tire. But I will tell you that that, that group is going to be like a, a ton of other groups that are going to do the same darn thing until they finally learn their lesson and realize, you know, just like, just like a, a person that robs a bank and then finally realizes that all these other people got shot trying to rob banks and killed, maybe we shouldn't do this. And it's going to take that before this stops happening. Well, you know, I mean, thanks to call, and, and good luck with the plowing. I appreciate you guys out there, Dave. I mean, look, here, here's the bottom line. I, I am not encouraging police officers to run over, you know, crowds. But at the same time, you, you know, in a situation like this, the, the question is, what are you supposed to do? Do you wait till the people, I don't know, break the windows in the car? I mean, is that, and then, then do you get to, to, and he didn't floor it. It's, it's not like he, he just floored it and the car is suddenly going 60 miles an hour. I guess the bottom line to me is, if you're part of this mob and you decide that you think it's going to be a good idea to surround a car front, back, and sides and bang on it, a police car, you know, how can you be surprised that something like this is going to happen. No, I don't think there's any intent to hurt or to kill people. The intent was, hey, I I think I'm in a life-threatening situation. I have to get out of this. I have to get the safety, and that's what I'm going to do. Let's talk to Mike in Illinois. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Good afternoon, Jeff. What do you think? Absolutely, the police officer did the right thing. Everyone has a right to self-defense, including the police. I have been in a situation like that. The year the Bulls won their first NBA championship, I got caught at an intersection, and I was surrounded by people. These people were in a good frame of mind, a happy frame of mind, yet I was very worried that all it would have taken is one person to jump on my hood, and a mob reaction would have happened, and I would, could have been in safety, not that anybody was trying to harm me. Right. This cop was absolutely in danger. These people did not have good intentions. He had every right to defend himself. Yeah, I, you know, I think you make a really interesting point, Mike. You're, you're right. It's you, this was not some sort of celebration. These are people who were angry. They were angry at the police. They were engaged in what was going to be an illegal activity. They were blocking all the streets. They had nowhere to go. What what is the cops supposed to do in these such this situation? Just sit there and, and wait for glass to start flying as they break the windows, or wait till somebody opens the door exactly. and pulls him out? What what is he supposed to do? He's in. He, he's got to get out of that life-threatening situation, it would seem to me. I agree 100%. Yeah, no, thanks for calling. And again, it's, look, I, and I, I, when I first heard the story, and that's, I, it was the coverage, police officer drives in the crowd. Oh, well, what, what, what's that all about? Well, again, it, it's, if you really understand the facts, it's not driving into the crowd, like I say. It's driving out of the crowd. Mike in Pewaukee. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Uh, yeah, I guess. I have an opposite view of a lot of the callers on this. He's like, so I think as a society, we need to think about what exactly we're going to allow for an agent of the government to 
severely injure or kill one of its citizens. And just feeling threatened, I don't think, especially with their training, is enough. Um, I think if, if we put the shoe on the, other, on the other foot, imagine if there was a citizen. And I like your, I like your uh, bank robber. What, somebody talked about a bank robber, mm-hmm. right? So let's say we have a bank robber. Police surround his car. And uh, he feels threatened. He drives over a couple police, then stops. Are we going to not additionally charge him with the bank robbery and the assault of the officer? No, you, you will, but the, difference is, but the difference is, in that case, it's somebody who's committed a crime that police officers right. are supposed to apprehend. In this case, it's the police officer who's doing his job, and it's the people that are attacking the car that are creating the crime. Right, and the thing is, I've watched the video. It's not a small town. I think that was a mischaracterization. Tacoma has a population of 220,000 people. That'd be the second biggest city in Wisconsin, aside from Milwaukee, I believe. Um, so that's a large city. It, it's in the city. It's downtown. He could have called for backup. He could have done something. The windows weren't broken. Not yet. Maybe no. 10 people tops. So I think driving over citizens and saying that's okay, that was the first action, is, is a major issue. And, you know, on the thing, it says to protect and serve. I think to assault a citizen as an agent of the government should be the last result. And until windows are broken, until he's got a hand on him, maybe somebody trying to pull him out or something, I think waiting for backup is the right call. Well, but, of course, if you let it get, if you let it, Mike, thanks. I mean, here's the problem. If, if, If you let it get to that point. Okay, now the windows are broken. There, there's flying glass. Now somebody's reaching in. At that point, I don't know that you're talking about driving slowly through the crowd. There you're talking about pulling your gun and starting to shoot. If, if, if it's that point, and th- this could have been a lot worse. And again, what, what, what made this bad? Why did this happen? Did it happen because, at least in my view, of the actions of the police officer? And my answer would be no. It happened because of the criminal activity of the mob, which decided to swarm on the police officer and bang on these things. And I guess that, that to me, is could could the officer have sat there and, and, and waited and said, hey, I'm trapped in this car, and I'm going to wait to see you know what the mob is going to do. But the, the mob was clearly trying to break the windows. The mob was clearly trying to destroy the car. The mob was tr- clearly trying to get at him for no reason other than the fact that he was telling people to, you know, leave, uh, you know, get, it, it obey the law. And again, I, I just think it, this would have been worse, at least in my opinion, had had you waited another 30 seconds. And I guess you're right. Maybe maybe all of a sudden the mob would have been over overcome with the, hey, let's just sing Kumbaya and let's let's just disperse. But that's not the way this thing was was going. And I think a reasonable police officer would understand it wasn't going that way. Like I say, you wait till they break a window or something like that. Then you're really in a life or death situation. And then instead of, OK, somebody being knocked off the hood of the car or somebody who's behind one of the wheels, you know, having the car run over their foot or whatever, their ankle, whatever, then, you know, you're in a situation where you, you really do have a, a police officer who's trying to protect, fight for his life in front of the mob. I Look, I, I understand there's going to be a lot of questions asked, and I understand everybody wants to second-guess police, but the bottom line in this situation is this happened because you had a bunch of out-of-control, in this case, they weren't protesters. They were people that were illegally assembled to watch a street race who were not going to obey the police. 
And as long as you have people who think they now have a degree of entitlement to not obey the police, stuff like this will continue to happen. And it's why, again, for all these people who think they're entitled or think that they don't like the cops or or whatever, so we don't have to listen, that's not a good way to be. And this is Jeff Wagner. Last week, we lost a legend. Join us this Sunday at 1 o'clock as we remember Henry Hank Aaron in a two-hour special program. Hear from friends and teammates like Mr. Baseball, Bob Euchre, and Gorman Thomas. Archived audio from the 1970s, plus a special interview with legendary broadcaster Bob Costas. Join us this Sunday at 1 o'clock as we remember Henry Hank Aaron. Uh, okay, it, it, this is there's an interesting piece in the Journal Sentinel talking about something they're doing in Milwaukee with regarding to crime. There's a new ordinance that's slated to take effect next month, and under the ordinance, owners of parking lots and structures are required to submit security plans to police prior to being licensed to operate their parking structure or the parking lot. Locations that have two or more incidents per month will be ordered to implement additional security measures like adding cameras or gates, increasing lighting, making other improvements recommended by police, or they risk losing their license. And the idea is that um, if you if you look at FBI numbers, you see that violent assaults and crimes occur in in places like these parking areas and these parking lots. That is not an uncommon thing. Now, let me say this at the outset. I don't have a problem with this. I I mean, I think that is just, unfortunately, kind of the cost of doing business now. And if you've got a parking structure, you've got to understand that you're going to have bad guys that are going to have access to that, and they're going to want to hang out, and that's where you're going to see carjackings, and that's where you're going to see um, assaults, and that's where you're going to see, you know, all sorts of bad stuff happen. So, Requiring the parking lot owners to increase their security, I don't think it's a bad thing. There's a but to all this, though. And that is, I would like to see the Common Council equally as concerned about the people that are committing the crimes in the first place. Now, it's fair to go out to the law-abiding owners, the owners of parking lots, and saying, you need to do more to protect your patrons from from the bad guys, and, and that's all well and good. But wouldn't it be refreshing just once to have some of these members of the Common Council use their bully pulpit to come out and, and to call out the, the people in the city of Milwaukee who are actually committing the crimes? You know, identify, so and this is what this person did. And I, I think, you know, that they should be put in prison for the next 10 years. And I think the fact that they were put on probation is absolutely appalling. Wouldn't you love to see some of these elected officials, starting with the mayor and then going through the Common Council, actually come out and, and with the same degree of concern they express about, like I say, the parking lot owners, you need to have better security. I, I agree with all that. But what about the flip side? What about calling for greater punishments, doing more to protect ourselves from the criminals who are committing crimes in the first place? I won't hold my breath waiting for that to happen. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Well, that was not a particularly awe-inspiring weather forecast, but the good news is, again, it's it's January 26th, and, you know, spring spring's going to be here. We're going to have to go through some crummy weather between now and then, but spring is coming. The days, daylight hours are starting to increase. We've got daylight saving time returns in about five weeks or so. It's all good. 
It's all good. I am being that voice of positivity here. All right, at least on that particular point. I want to share with you an email I received this morning from one of our listeners who has been communicating with me about the fact that in Wauwatosa that they have not had in-person learning. Now, let's let's before I share this email, let, let's just understand this. The the schools that have not had in-person learning, the kids are doing as a general rule, there are exceptions, but as a general rule, they're doing much worse. There's just no question uh, about it. Getting the kids into the classrooms for the socialization and the in-person learning, that, that is a key. And for places like MPS that have essentially been remote for going on a year now, that that's I don't want to say it's a completely lost year, but in a school district and schools where you, you can't, the, the kids really can't afford to miss a day, they, they've missed a year. And, and so that's why for many parents, there is an effort, there is a urgency to get the kids back into school, into the classrooms. It's why in several cases, what you saw is parents pulled their kids out of the public schools to find private schools, parochial schools that were doing the in-person learning. And the school boards know that. Okay, so with the, that backdrop, let me share with you an email that I received this morning. Jeff, the Wauwatosa School Board voted last night to delay a return to a five-day in-person learning model until April 5th of 2021, roughly eight weeks before the end of the school year, despite a medical advisory panel and superintendent recommendation to return five days in person on February 2nd, as proposed on the meeting agenda, the board made a separate movement three and a half hours into the meeting and before public comments to extend the date to April 5th. At one point during the meeting at 11.14 p.m., the vice president of the school board admitted that her decision had been swayed by WEAC, that is the teachers union. The number one reason given for the April 5th date was to wait until all teachers and staff had been fully vaccinated, a scenario that the medical panel said without uncertainty would likely not happen until at least May of 2021. The fact that the Wauwatosa School District has had zero cases of teachers contracting COVID from a student was also presented and reiterated several times throughout the meeting by the medical advisory panel. So why would the Wauwatosa School Board vote to wait 10 more weeks before allowing secondary students the opportunity to return to school in person five days a week in light of the fact that district-wide the failure rate among secondary students has doubled. Middle school student failure rate is slightly higher than double, along with mental health statistics that are disturbing to say the least. We have the teachers union to thank. My hope is that this failure on the part of the Wauwatosa School Board and WEAC is made public since my sixth grader clearly does not have a voice that matters. Okay, now this this is playing out in other areas as well. In Chicago, the school board has ordered the teachers to go back to school starting next week, in-person instruction. They are refusing to do it. They're just flat out refusing, and the big question is, will they go on strike for the third time in a, in a series of numbers of years? They're saying, no, we, we cannot be expected to teach in person. Now, of course, you have parochial schools, you have private schools, you have lots of other public schools that are teaching in person. So let's tee this up. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Given the fact that remote learning is a poor poor substitute for in-person learning, given the fact that the kids are struggling, given the fact that we can now fly on airplanes 
We can sit in crowded airplanes where there's no there's people in that middle seat with the requirement that people wear masks and things of the like. Given the fact that we are starting to reopen the world, all right, is there any reason at all why teachers should be able to be exempted from having to go into classrooms and teach? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Clearly, you've got school board members that are more afraid of the, the teachers' union than they are about the parents. 855-616-1620. We discuss. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let me be real clear here. I, I think the Wauwatosa School Board sold out the parents, the taxpayers in Wauwatosa yesterday. They sold out the students. I think the same thing is going on in Chicago. Chicago has decided it, it's safe for the schools to reopen. Now, again, you've got to deal with class size. You've got to deal with social distancing and things like that. But but here's the bottom line. The, the idea of these teachers refusing to go back into the classrooms. Give me a break. Uh, I, are any of those teachers not getting on airplanes? Are any of those teachers not going into grocery stores? To me, this is just an effort to say, okay, we're going to use this as an excuse not to go back into the classrooms and not to do our jobs. Um, you, you have flight attendants. They're, they're, they're on crowded planes. They're doing their jobs. You've got airplane pilots. You've got people who are working in hardware stores and working in, in restaurants that are now starting to reopen. You've got all these other people who are doing their jobs. I understand at the beginning when we didn't understand exactly what was going on and we didn't have a chance to make arrangements, maybe there'd be a justification for this. But candidly, if schools can reopen like they have, for the last several months, and you have kids back in school, for the teachers to say, we're not going in, I think is is just appalling. Jeff, I'm predicting MPS will not open until September 1st, 2021, with a chance of 122 if vaccines are slow. They will milk this as long as they can. Y- yes, I, I think that that's it. And, and if, it, if it screws up the kids... Okay, well, apparently you have a lot of these teachers that, that do not care. Now, look, I, I think it's fair to say if we're going to reopen, we've got to have rules to, to go with the reopening. And, and the rules are people have to be masked. We have to have this social distancing stuff. And we have to watch it because if it turns out that we have, like, huge outbreaks, well, then we have to be willing to a- adapt. But that's what other school districts have done. The fact that you have a handful that are not and are going in and collecting, you know, their, their money um, without going in and doing their jobs. It, it's just, again, appalling is the word. Here's a text. Jeff, my wife is a teacher, and let me tell you the stories I hear about how most teachers are doing the minimum work to get by, no accountability. They like cozily being home while still collecting their salary. Jeff, I work at a grocery store, and I've gone to work every single day. I have not called in once the whole year or last year, so I don't feel a bit sorry for anybody. Jeff, the kids need to go back to school for in-person learning. It's ridiculous, and it makes teachers look bad when they make such a stink about returning. No other industry is doing this. Um, Yeah, yeah. That's it. Um, Let's see. Um, Jeff, this is why my son goes to a private school. He has been in person all year, five days a week with no issues. Well, well, that's it. You, You don't. 
hear these stories about the schools that have been open having situations where there's mass outbreaks and enormous numbers of people getting sick. Now, I'm not saying that there's not a story that you can't point to about somebody that was you know, some kid that got sick or some teacher that ended up getting sick, but that's just the nature of real life. And I guess my question, it would have been interesting for the Wauwatosa School Board or some of these other school boards to ask the question of the teachers' union, well, what exactly are the teachers doing when they're, they're not doing the remote instruction? You know, what, what exactly is it doing? Are they, are they hunkering down in their basements? Because I, I will tell you, I know people who are teachers, and I, I see them, including teachers who are back doing in-person instruction, and I see them out and about in the community. Now, is it is there no Wauwatosa school teacher that's been on an airplane? Nobody that's been out in public? No, I, my guess is they're living their lives. They're doing it in a socially responsible fashion. They're wearing masks. Everybody should. Hopefully, they're social distancing. They're doing all those different types of things, but... They don't want to go back into the classroom. Jeff, why are doctors, nurses, cops, firefighters, grocery workers on the job with more interaction with the public, but the teachers can't be exposed to kids? Teachers are milking this to continue doing minimal work. I agree with you. The word is appalling. Um, yeah, I, I think that's it. Um, because of that. So, look, here, here's the bottom line. Um, the whole idea is that what you want to do is you want to get the kids back into school. And th- I just wonder what the effect of all this is going to be when we sit there and we say, all right, how, how is this all going to happen? And if people aren't willing to go back to classes, what does that do for the kids if you've essentially missed a half a year or missed a year? And how do we have any guarantee that the vaccine rollout is going to be complete? That's the thing. To set a date, for example, in Wauwatosa of April is just absolutely absurd. I mean, we have no indication at all that, you know, we're going to have anything close to 100% vaccination rate. And I think it's also a fair argument to say, okay, should we be vaccinating a healthy 32-year-old teacher over, I don't know, say a 65-year-old with diabetes? I mean, I'm not convinced at all that teachers need to go to the front of the line ahead of people who are substantially more at risk. Just saying. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. This week's sponsor for the Jeff Wagner Home Improvement Showcase is our presenting sponsor, the great folks at Great Midwest Bank. Great Midwest Bank is your simply local equal housing home renovation lender. Check them out at greatmidwestbank.com. As you might expect, being swamped with texts about this, Jeff, most rural and smaller schools are in person, and my wife is a teacher. She works five days a week, plenty of hours at home extra. So let's not throw all the teachers under the bus, although all should be in person, in my opinion. Yeah, it's very clear. That's what I've been trying to say, that you have in a number of school districts, you do have the teachers that have been doing in-person instruction. It's good for the kids. There have not been huge problems with that. But you have some of these school districts where 
It really is the tail that wags the dog, and you have the school boards, which are afraid of upsetting the teachers, and they apparently don't care if they screw over the parents. They don't care if they screw over the kids. It's just, okay, well, you know, and again, in Wauwatosa, if it's true that they said, well, we're going to delay in-person instruction, despite the fact that the medical people are advising against this, we're going to delay it till April, what do you think is going to happen in April? I mean, do you really think that there's a substantial chance that uh, a significant percentage, particularly of the the younger teachers, are going to be vaccinated? Are we going to skip them, like I say, skip them ahead in in line? Um, You know, really, I mean, that's... That's what the problem, I, I think, ends up being. And, and the reality is, let's face it, for a lot of the Wauwatosa school kids, it's, it's going to be no full-time in-person instruction for the balance of the year. Jeff, I say give the vaccine to the teachers if that's what it takes to get the world rolling again. I'm 70 and I stay home more than a teacher does. I will donate my share. Well, okay, that that's good. We moved to Waukesha in September and homeschooled our son until today. We decided it was time with the vaccine and his so-so education on the computer didn't feel that that was working. And again, um, Jeff, my opinion is the teachers who are not in the classroom should be given a warning. And if they choose, that's their choice not to report to work. Then I think people should be fired and replaced. Well, that's. I believe that a similar situation took place years ago with the air traffic controllers going on strike when President Reagan replaced them. Yes, that's where the phrase um, going patco did. Remember, back when when Reagan took over, the air traffic controllers went out on strike. It was illegal to strike. He said, I'm going to fire them. And they didn't believe he was going to fire them. And they went out on strike, and he fired them. And he brought in military air traffic controllers. And (laughs) pretty soon it was like, oh, my gosh, you mean we've all lost our jobs? Yeah, he ended up losing their jobs, and it didn't crater air travel. Now, look, in, in the case of some of these areas, like MPS, the teachers aren't doing anything wrong. In case of Wauwatosa, the teachers aren't doing anything wrong. It's the school boards that are making the decision that we're going to keep the schools closed. So, I mean, it's it's not a situation where teachers are being told to come back to work and are refusing to go into the classrooms. Now, that's not how it's playing out in Chicago. Like I say, in Chicago, and this has been a huge story, in Chicago, they're opening, um, the order right now is February 1st, which I think, would would, would that be Monday? The, the order is you know, open up, you know, to in-person learning. And the teachers union is saying, well, we're not coming in. So that, in that particular situation, if they go out on strike, and it is, my understanding is it's legal to engage in these strikes, but if they do that job action, then the question becomes, you know, what are they going to end up doing in Chicago? But the but the bottom line is here in Wisconsin, I mean, none of the teachers that are not in classrooms are committing fireable offenses. It's it's what the school boards ha- have done. And the question is, what do the school boards now have to do to, to try to say, all right, look, if the medical people say they think it's safe, if we don't see any evidence, what, why is it that all these other school districts have been full-time in-person learning? Why is it that they've been able to do it and they haven't had any sort of problems? Well, what, what, what is, is there something special about some of these other school districts that, that isn't reflected at MPS or whatever? But the longer you leave these kids out of class, I don't think there's any question the further and further and further behind they go. And if you're in a situation like MPS where there hasn't been in-person instruction since, correct me if I'm wrong, but probably March of last year, I mean, if you really do go almost a year and a half 
without any sort of in-person instruction for the kids who need it absolutely the most, you know, what? how do you ever, you know, put Humpty Dumpty back together again? How do you ever catch up from that? Because I think we would all agree that that is not the best option, yet that's the option that we are going to be faced with moving forward. Okay, when we come back, let's go where angels fear to tread. Yesterday, with much fanfare, uh, the House of Representatives delivers the articles of impeachment to the Senate. The trial has now been set. I know some of you think it's a waste of time. Other people think it's just got to happen. We will discuss. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Just one final thought on on the conversation of in-person instruction. You you look at, for example, like MPS that has been closed for a a year and a half. Now, in Wauwatosa, at least they have been in in a semi-hybrid model, so the kids aren't it's not all virtual like it is at, at MPS but I think everybody would agree it's not as good as the full day you know five day a week in instruction I, I think you do have to acknowledge and make allowances for you know th- those that subset of of the teachers for example MPS teachers who because of their age or because of underlying conditions are, are particularly vulnerable um, to to catching COVID and in that particular case you know may, Maybe you make some allowances for those particular teachers, but just to say, okay, it, it's all right for the the 32 year old to go and and work, you know, stocking shelves uh, because they're an essential worker and they've been having to do that every day. But the 32 year old teacher, we're we're going to not make go into the classrooms. That's where I think the issue is. You always have to have exceptions for again people that have the underlying health issues or are particularly at risk. Okay, let us switch gears. So yesterday, I'm trying to. Uh, Find out about the weather. So I, I turn on a couple of local news stations around 5 o'clock because I want to find out about the weather and what the predictions were going to be. And I, I see on almost every news station there's this film of live from the Capitol, and you have a handful of people who are walking from where the House of Representatives is over to the Senate to deliver the articles of impeachment. And it's, it, it's I guess, it, it's dramatic. Other than the fact that it's just a bunch of people that are that are walking, but I, it's history, so they, they deliver it. It's now so the articles of impeachment, for the article singular of impeachment for President Trump has now been delivered. The Senate has decided to schedule the trial for uh, two weeks from yesterday, February, I believe, February eighth is when the trial is supposed to start. We do not know what the trial is going to look like. I mean, we don't know if they're going to be calling witnesses. We don't know if Donald Trump might choose to appear and, I don't know, use that as a forum to, I don't know, re, restart his, his political life and to come in and to, you know, denounce the acts against him. We, we don't know that. The, the smart money is that by going through this impeachment process, well, here we, we know, for, for example, President Trump is not President Trump anymore. He's gone. So impeachment is typically used as something to remove somebody from office. He's gone. Constitutional scholars are divided about whether or not you can impeach somebody who's already left office. 
Um, there is some precedent for doing that, but you got to go back to the time of the Civil War. But the big reason why you use impeachment is you use impeachment to remove someone from office. President Trump is already gone. The process of impeachment can't take away his pension. The process of impeachment can't take away his Secret Service protection. What impeachment can do is if he is, in fact, convicted, two-thirds vote of the U.S. Senate, then what happens is in a second vote, they could bar him from ever running for federal op- for, for office again, although I think most of us believe that Donald Trump isn't running for anything ever again, that the brand is, is damaged, but I guess anything is theoretically possible. The problem, though is that most of the smart money, people on both sides of the aisle, will tell you that there's he's not going to be convicted. There, there's not, you would need all 50 Democrats to vote to impeach. And you would need 17 of the 50 Republicans to vote to impeach. Now, it's quite likely that you might get a handful of them. You might get five, you might get 10. I think I set the over-under as at eight in the Senate. So you're, you're going to get... Some people, Mitt Romney, my guess, will do that. Um, the Lisa Murkowski from from Alaska will do it. You know, maybe Mitch McConnell will do that. But the, the truth of the matter is, and I think everybody understands it. If you do a head count, there, there's not there's not 17 Republicans that are going to vote to convict Donald Trump for a variety of reasons. They don't think it's an impeachable offense, or alternatively, they. Um, they don't think it's an impeachable offense, or alternatively, they don't think um, it's right to impeach somebody after they've left office for whatever reason. The, the result at the end of the trial is going to be that he's acquitted, and, and he will be standing there with the, the headline that, that says, you know, Trump acquitted. So you're, you're not going to accomplish anything with this, which brings me to a point I have been making for the, the last couple months or at least the last month or so on this and it's a point that you know is being made in a couple places and i sent out a couple tweets about this if you follow me on twitter it's at jeff wagner 620 i continue to believe and i think this is still an option rather than going the impeachment route which is which is not going to work it's going to fail if the senate were to decide to issue a censure resolution i think that you would have you, you might have more than two-thirds of the Senate, including a lot of Republicans, who would vote to censure the former president, which would essentially have the same effect as an impeachment action, but actually might accomplish something because he's going to be acquitted if you go down this route. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Doesn't censure, which is less significant than an impeachment, I guess, conviction, but censure is doable. Impeachment just isn't. Doesn't it make more sense to do the censure? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. We discuss. What do you think? Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the accurate mortgage talk and text line. And beyond all this, given the fact that Trump is gone, 
and I, I understand there's some people who say, oh, no, he, he he's going to come back. He's going to run for office again. I, I don't think you're living in the real world of, of this. Um, in, in some cases, I guess, for the people who want to purge him from the Republican Party, impeachment and a conviction sort of, I say, guarantees that to an extent that he's not going to be a candidate in 2024, but he's, I, he's not going to be a candidate in 2024 anyways. But but that presupposes that you're going to be able to get a conviction. The reality, if we live in the real world, is there, there's you're not going to peel off 17 out of those 50 Republican senators to to vote to impeach. You know, maybe you'll get five, maybe you'll get six, seven, eight. That that's entirely possible. But he's going to be acquitted. So, given the fact that he's already out of office, given the fact that his brand has been damaged, given the fact that by proceeding with impeachment, you will make President Trump a martyr to to many of the people that supported him, not all, but to many of the people that supported him, why do we go through this exercise when you know what's going to turn out? You do what I do. You, you suggest have a resolution of censure, criticizing him for the remarks that he made, and, and then you, you move on. At least that way, Congress is on record, Republicans and Democrats expressing their feelings on this. And it's a matter of historical record, which I think has as much impact, if not more, than an acquittal on an impeachment for somebody who has already left office. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And actually, this is kind of the – I sent out a tweet with um, a link to a story in the Wall Street Journal, uh, editorial that kind of – uh, brings that point up, and also um, a couple other people who've been arguing the same thing. Uh, Rich in Waukesha. Rich, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Rich? Rich, Rich, Rich. Okay, going once, going twice, 855-616-1620. Jeff, censure would be the way to go if you want to actually accomplish something tangible. This is political theater, and both sides know it. Um, stamping Trump as impeached twice is the main goal. It's a scar on the legacy. Okay, that, well, but that's been happening. He, he's now he's now been impeached twice, so you've got that historical thing. And if this proceeds in two weeks, what's going to happen is he will then be acquitted twice. So you, you've you've got that that's there. Um, I guess I'm I'm all about sort of moving on and trying to accomplish something tangible. Now let me say this: I I, and I hear from people who say, "Oh, don't you understand? He this what this was sedition. This was treason." All right, if you believe that his remarks constituted treason or sedition. Well, then somebody should take a flyer and charge him with a crime. Now, I don't that that's not going to happen because I think as a matter of law, nothing he said and I, look at I, I I think that the tone of that speech was completely inappropriate. I think the president sitting on his hands while people were, you know, destroying the, the Capitol, I, I think his reaction was completely and totally inappropriate. I'm just here to tell you if the idea is we, we want to have, you know, it, it's sedition, it's treason, at least in my opinion, it's not a basis for criminal charge. That's just not going to happen. And if you tried to charge him with sedition or treason, um, he would be acquitted. Um, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jeff, have you written your congressman with your idea? Um, my, my congressman, Glenn Grothman, I know listens to the show. This is not, this is not unique. I have been saying this for a while. I said, 
I said an, a censure resolution was the way to go before the first impeachment, when it was clear that, uh, again, removal from office wasn't going to happen. Jeff, are they going with this just so he cannot run again because they might be afraid of what might happen down the road? Well, that that's, I mean... No, here's what this is about. This is about political theater. This is about the the Democrats who are playing to their base by saying, look, we've been trying to get Donald Trump for four years. And and yes, he's gone. He lost the election. He left in in semi-disgrace, if not full disgrace. But now we, we want our pound of flesh, and that's what our constituents do. So let's get through this. From a political theater perspective, all right, the, the next round of elections are two years from now. And, and let me just throw this out there. Do you really think th- that, that anybody is going to get elected or lose the election because they, they voted for or against the impeachment of President Trump? Now, there might be a handful of Republicans. If they vote to impeach, they, they might get taken out in primaries. But as a general rule, in a general election, is somebody going to say, well, I'm inclined to vote Republican, but I'm not going to vote Republican because my senator, Senator X, two years ago voted um, not to convict Donald Trump. In in the real world, it's just not going to happen. Just like impeachment in 2020, you know, when they did it in February and it failed, just like that, that wasn't a voting issue. I mean, is there seriously anybody who decided that they were going to cast their vote for or against some politician in November of 2020? because of how that politician voted on impeachment in January or February of 2020? It just didn't happen. Uh, let's talk to Scott on the south side. Scott, you're on WTMJ. Hey, good afternoon, Jeff. My, um, my take on this topic is that regardless if it is censure or impeachment without conviction, neither one of those options would ever are, have, any, have any historical meaning because Donald Trump, whatever, doesn't, doesn't suffer any consequences all right and every single gop senator privately will tell you that what he did on january 6th in the days leading up to it was wrong that he incited that he that he incited an insurrection but every single gop senator and this also goes for house members they are they are dead afraid of the trump mega base and that's what it boils down to and they don't want and they don't want to get primaries so what? So what's the effect? If if that's the political calculation, so what's the effect of going on? If we know that he's not going to be convicted, it from again from from my take, whatever. I mean, I think that the effect of going on is to get the is to get the information out to the American people exactly what this guy was up to and what he was and what he did. I think I think the public deserves to. I think the public and the voting public deserves to get a full record and accountability on exactly what he did, who he was conspiring, who he was and who he was conspiring with. Well, throughout well this whole that, that's it. Well, Scott, let me stop you there. What, what do you think is what do you think is going to happen on, on February 8th for a full, full accounting? Now, I, I do think at some point in time that Congress is, is going to do a a, a that they're that they're going to end up having an investigation or something like that. But that's that's not going to be part of the impeachment process. That's not going to happen in two weeks. I mean, you, you, you can't do, unless we're going to drag this out for a couple months and do extensive fact-finding. What I'm reading is that the Democrats say, we've got the record, this is his speech, this we think the speech in and of itself was an impeachable offense. So I, I don't know what ground you think is going to get covered by the impeachment. 
I would what I'd be willing to say what I'd be willing to say is that I is that I believe evidence is going to come up and evidence is going to show that there was conspiracy between Donald Trump, whatever, and also prominent Republican GOP senators, including Wisconsin's very own Ron Johnson, that they were that they were all in this together to incite to incite this blame and incite this insurrection by well, the Trump by the Trump base. Well, I mean, thanks for call, Scott. I I don't. I, I I don't know the conspiracy and and things like that. I mean, I don't. I, I guess I, I have trouble with the idea. And look, I'm the guy that from the beginning said the. In my opinion, the election wasn't stolen. There were some things that were the, not the best practices, but I, I I thought the entire refusal to accept the election and going down all these different rabbit holes. I thought that that was silly. I thought it was bad for democracy. I've been arguing that for for a couple months. So and 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 that doesn't change. Nothing changes my position. Now the, the question of if you were making those arguments, does that mean that you were fomenting treason? That that, that to me is a stretch as, as well. But I guess my bigger point is, if you want to have a if you want to have a commission like you had the nine eleven commission that that investigates these things, and you know, was there really some conspiracy? Were there secret meetings and emails saying, okay, we're going to bring all these people to the Capitol, and we're going to try to get them to storm the Capitol, and what we want them to do is take hostages or things like that? I, I think there probably will be a commission that's going to investigate some of those claims. My guess is what you're going to find is that a lot of that is just chasing things down rabbit holes, just like a, a lot of the trying to prove that the election was stolen was chasing people down rabbit holes, things through down rabbit holes. But that's that, that that's okay. I understand that's where we are with politics nowadays, and I understand that's reality. But going back to my bigger point, that's not going to come out in an impeachment hearing. My, my understanding is the the prosecutors which are members of congress of uh, the house of representatives they're they're they don't need to they're not planning on adding to the record they're not planning on calling a bunch of witnesses they're not going to bring in some of the people who were involved in the capitol riots and try to question them under oath and say okay you know did you talk to donald trump about this or you know were were you invested did your senator reach out for you that's not going to happen it's it's going to be a show trial based on the remarks that President Trump made that day and maybe some of his other speeches earlier, and they're going to argue, okay, well, this was fomenting the riot and this is impeachable. But you're, you're not going to be covering new ground with this, is is my point. So if, if you want to, quote-unquote, get to the bottom of it, that, that that's well and good. That's a conversation that we can have, but it's not going to happen you know, during the, you know, it's not going to happen, you know, as part of the impeachment process. I guess I, I think one of the things people need to be careful what they wish for because you you go through this and I so there, there is some speculation that President Trump might stay show up and and give decide to, to give a statement in which case he has an opportunity to make himself a a martyr to a, a number of the people who are are still supporters of his I don't know how this all turns out and I understand that there's people that want to have a degree of accountability and people are texting me and saying yeah there, there's a police officer that's dead and there there needs to be accountability for that well yeah the, the people that responsible for killing him deserve to be dead deserve to be prosecuted and deserve to to have that that police officer deserves justice the woman who was shot by the Capitol Police officer. She she deserves a degree of justice as well, and I'm sure there's going to be a thorough investigation as to whether it was necessary to use deadly force against somebody who was unarmed in that fashion. Uh, th- that'll all work out through the justice process. If you think that that's going to be accomplished through impeachment, though, 
I'm sorry, I just don't think you're going to be happy with the result. That's why censure, expressing an expression on behalf of Congress that the remarks were inappropriate, the president goes down on the record as being censored, and then you, you move on, it accomplishes more, I think, than an acquittal on an impeachment will. And mark my words, he is going to be acquitted. Back with more in just a couple minutes. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. For everybody who thought that, hey, the, the, the calendar has turned, it's now 2021, Donald Trump is gone, Joe Biden is the president, everything's going to be seashells and balloons. That was Al McGuire's old phrase. Uh, no, uh, this, COVID is still here. We talked briefly about the fact that you know, Summerfest, which is supposed to kick off late June, early July, this year, three separate weekends, that they've already lost their first headliner simply because Halsey has decided she, she's not going to tour this summer. And so she's canceling all, all her dates and so it's it's history um the the saint patrick's day parade has been canceled already um the announcement coming out yesterday or today pride fest which is always one of the the first events that happen in the summer at the lakefront um they they just decided they couldn't go ahead with the june 2021 date so they've they've called that off with the idea that maybe they'll be able to do it again in the fall I, it just it's very unclear at this point in time I think what what public gatherings are still going to go on I mean I mentioned this on the air yesterday I I'm a season ticket holder for the Brewers I, I share a 20 pack with my friend Evan and we got a notice from the Brewers yesterday saying okay well here here's here's the deal I mean I've already matter of fact I paid for the season tickets last year and just let them keep the money and it's like well you, you have two choices um, your your package of games you you can you can continue to have the tickets to those games, but if we're if we're limited as to our capacity, if we can only have ten thousand people instead of forty thousand people, what we'll do is we can guarantee you tickets, but we can't guarantee you your seats. And so you can either do that, take that option, or alternatively, um, we'll just give you a credit. You can have like a bank, and you can buy tickets to whatever games you you want. And we kind of decided that we'll we'll stick with our games, but I. These are all the issues that you have all these different venues that are, are wrestling with trying to figure out, you know, how do we deal with this? Because the, the truth of the matter is, while I think vaccinations and, and herd immunity are ultimately the way we, we get out of this and we start getting back to normal and we get back to normal, I, I'm not at all convinced that it's going to happen in the next couple months. And people that have to put their money where their mouths are, the, these organizers and stuff of events, they're they're already starting to to do that. All right, I want to switch gears. the The time to talk about elections and election procedures is now. It, it, it's not while the election is going on, and it's not. Gee, this is what an election board says can happen. This is how they're they're doing things. Because by the time you get into the election season and people start voting and all that, it, it's it's too late as a practical matter to do anything about it. So so now is the time to have these discussions. And whether it's through lawsuits, 
that, that have to be filed to, to change election procedures or laws that have to be changed. And again, the problem with Wisconsin is you, you've got a Democrat governor and you've got a Republican legislature, and it, it's tough to see them coming together to agree on too many things, with the possible exception of allowing absentee ballots to be counted when they're received. Um, I, I think pretty much everybody agrees that that's a good idea. But as far as other sorts of election reforms, I, I just I, I don't see it likely that it would happen. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't talk about it. In 2020, voting across the United States got easier. There's no question about it. We had more and more people deciding to to use mail-in ballots. And that that is that, that when I say mail in, I'm including like ballots that they might have dropped off in ballot boxes or ballots that they might have returned some other way by the mail. But, you know, voting early and typically voting through the mail that gives some people um, some heartache. I, I understand that. But I guess I, I think this is the wave of the future. I don't see us going back on that in Wisconsin. There was a big concern about people because of of COVID. People were allowed to declare themselves indefinitely confined. I, I can't go out, so I, I can't comply with the photo ID requirement. And there's a new piece in the Journal Sentinel saying of the people that did that, they estimate that of 238,000 people who did that, um, 80% had showed a photo ID at some point in time earlier. So even if you assume that everybody, all of those 48 or 50,000 people who, who hadn't done that, you know, you, you can't assume that all of them were committing fraud. So I guess the point is that that indefinitely confined thing really wasn't the a source of, of widespread abuse. But, you know, now is the time to talk about the, these election measures and, and what needs to be changed. Because now is when you have the discussion, because you got to get it done, either, again, through lawsuits, challenging an election board or an interpretation of something, or through a change in the law. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. So with that idea, what what do you think needs to be done to make the election process fairer, more legitimate, more honest, more responsive, more efficient, faster, whatever? Because now's the time to have this conversation. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What one thing would you like to see happen? And I guess I understand some people might say, I think I'd like to see them do away with mail-in ballots and all. That That's not going to happen. I mean, that that ship has sailed, it seems to me. But if you could have one thing that we could change between now and the next election, what do you think that change should be? I've got an idea, but I want to hear from you. I'll share mine, and we'll talk about it in just a moment. One change between now and the next election, and let's tell our legislators and let's tell the political parties so they can start getting to work on this. 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, my, my question is, because this is now the time we have to talk about it, before 
September of 2022 rolls around, if we need to make major changes in the or changes in the election process, whether it's nationwide or Wisconsin, now is the time to have this conversation. What changes, if any, would you make? 855-616-1620. Al in Wales. Al, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, thanks for taking my sure. call. Uh, you sort of got my dander up here, Jeff. Um, I'm sure you know who Steve Wexler is. He uh, he put out a notice about two months ago saying that WTMJ is going to be totally down the middle, not on the Republican side, not on the Democrat side. And you, Jeff, are are going over the border on that. Are, are you so much? Well, okay, Al, for, Al. First of all, see, I, I am a Steve Wexler is our general manager, and I am hired to give you my opinions on this. But let, let's let's not make this about me. You tell me what. What, what what would you like to see changed about the election process? Jeff, why does anything need to be changed? You had 50 states, attorneys general. You had judges throughout the United States. You even had the so Supreme Court. So you think Court you would not change it? Okay, well, that's an answer. You would not change anything. You don't think there's anything that we could do to improve the election process? Let me ask you this, please. No, you, no I, I just Why asked you a question. Why do you think a change needs to be made? Well, we'll, we'll discuss. You don't think, I, l- l- answer my question first. You don't think we need to do anything different? No. Okay, all right. Thank, no. Thanks for the call. <laughs> all right. Well, all right. first of all, let me just say this. Yes, w- WTMJ as a station is is not ideological. The talk show hosts that we hire, yes, we, we are. We, we advance our particular opinions, and that's been the way it's been since I've been on the air for 20-some years, and there, nothing has changed about that. But as far as the idea, if you think these elections are perfect, I, I'm, I'm sorry. There's all sorts of things that we could do to do things better. For example, I'll give you a couple. I, I think that we need to allow in Wisconsin the ballots to be counted when they come in, the absentee ballots to come in. I, I think if you started, the, instead of waiting to make the clerks of court, waiting to have to count 50, 100,000 ballots on election day, which results in these late night dumps, um, which I do think breeds distrust in the election system. Yeah, I think we should make that change. I don't know if it's a partisan thing one way or the other. I think we should make that change so you don't suddenly go to bed at night thinking one candidate's won, and then at 4 o'clock in the morning, Milwaukee dumps in you know X thousands of votes. And I'm not saying that they weren't legitimate votes, but that, that process, I think that they should be counted earlier. I will give you another suggestion that I think needs to be changed. And that is, I think there needs to be more nationwide uniformity with regard to the absentee ballot process. In some states, and like Wisconsin, the votes have to be received by eight o'clock, by the time the polls close. In other states, it was, well, We'll let as long as they're postmarked, we'll let them come in. And if they're received two days after the election, or four or five days out after the election, they're going to count. I think that's bad public policy. I think that there needs to be a uniform nationwide in the federal elections in particular there needs to be a uniform standard whatever that may be so that people who are voting by mail in wisconsin aren't treated differently than people who are voting by mail in indiana who are voting by mail in georgia who are voting by mail in pennsylvania whatever those are two of my suggestions sam and McHenry. sam you're on wtmj good afternoon jeff i'll try to go a little easier on you that's okay than the last guy. <laughs> I, it's okay. I can talk. So anyway, I can take it. 
Uh, you probably can. But anyway, uh, you probably heard about the big union vote down in, what is it, Georgia with Amazon? Yes. And, uh, okay, so he, uh, Bezos is it? Yeah, he doesn't want any mail-in balloting. He wants in-person, and he doesn't want it to drag on for two weeks, if I'm hearing correctly. Why would that be? There, you know, when he doesn't want it, there's a good reason why. And I think we need to look at that really hard. And we have to look at the fact that if we're going to do any mail-in balloting, it has to be very difficult. You have to pre-register. You have to maybe have a medical condition. There has to be reasons, good reasons why. And we have to make it uh, Well, Sam, but let me stop you there. I mean, the first, the first time I voted for president... I was away at college, and, and I voted absentee. I mean, I I, I, I mailed, I, I they, they sent me my ballot, I filled it out, I mailed it in, and I, I sent it in. It's, I mean, so we've we've had absentee voting, we've had mail-in voting well, you're for right decades. About that. You're right about that, but I think over time, people like anything else, they learn how to manipulate the system. They you could start off with something that seems fair and it's working right, and then as time goes on, guys start tinkering around with it and they they manipulate it. And this business with election officials making changes, you know, like we saw here in this last election, that it has to be done through the legislature, and that is it. And we've, we have issues with this that need to be corrected. And, again, I go back to Amazon. Why are they against this? Because they're afraid they're not going to get the outcome they want. So, okay. so if he's got afraid it. of it, then I guess everybody else should be afraid, too. Okay, thanks for calling, Sam. I appreciate it. I, I... I just don't think this genie is out of the bottle when it comes to to mail-in voting. And I I think more, and I think people need to recognize that. Now, I do, I I think that there's other things you can do. For example, in Wisconsin, let's talk about Wisconsin for a second. The fact that you can't per, the fact that we, we have blocked people, we've blocked officials from purging the voter rolls to me, is, again, something that makes no sense. If you're going to have mail-in voting, and I think mail-in voting is here to stay. Some people might like it, not like it, but I think it's here to stay. If you're going to have mail-in voting, what you need to do is you need to make certain that the voter rolls are as accurate as possible. And that's why we have laws in effect. There's laws that aren't being enforced, which says that if somebody hasn't voted for X amount of time, you send a postcard to that address, and if they don't respond, well, you, you take their names off the lists. That, that I think, is reasonable. We are not doing that. If you're going to have mail-in voting, you have to make sure the lists are as current as possible so you don't have the legitimate voter rolls being clogged up with people who have moved or with people who have died or or whatever. I think that that's very, very fair to do. And that, to me, is like, again, one of the balancing acts that you have when you have, again, the voting. We make it more liberal, not liberal as far as voting for Democrats, but we liberalize it to make it easy as possible for people to vote. And that's clearly the trend that we're going on. And then the same time, though, you have to make sure that there is a degree of integrity with that. The um, declaring yourself to be indefinitely confined so you um, avoid the voter ID requirement, I think that that's an issue that's going to come out a- as well. But I-, I don't think, if you're looking at the numbers, that that was the source of any widespread fraud. Um, okay, let's go to the text here. Jeff, clerks and election commission need to abide by the laws on the books, not to be allowed to do what they want. Jeff, 
Why does anything need to change? Was that guy serious about it? Well, yeah, I think he was serious about it. His guy won. Um, Jeff, I think we need American-made ballot machines. And I'm not going down that route. I, let's see. Um, Jeff, uh, could there be a way to get the IDs notarized and put on a list for the city clerk so it would be difficult? You know, for, for people who want to see IDs standardized, again, I, be careful what you wish for, because one of the ideas that's being floated is is a national ID card. And that national ID card would be, you'd have to have one and you, you'd have to use it. And that would, would be what you use for voting and things of the like. I don't think that that's a good idea at all. Um, let's see. Jeff, I would like to see, I would like them to count the mail-in ballots before election day. Yeah, I think that that's a, a reasonable common sense change that I think could be done reasonably um again to avoid the, these huge ballot dumps where you're you're guessing well you know um we've got a republican that's ahead by 45,000 votes but you've got this big number that's going to come out of Milwaukee and you know we don't know how that's going to break and it's not going to be released till three or four o'clock in the morning and I'm not faulting the election people for it it's because they're not allowed to start counting votes until the polls open let them let them start opening the envelopes, putting the things through the machines so you at least have that process done so they can punch the button and get the numbers and maybe maybe we can have an accurate count by 10 or 11 instead of 4 in the morning. But regardless of what you think changes need to be made, what you want to do now is you want to start talking about it now because after people start voting, it's too darn late. When we come back, we'll find out what John McCure has on his mind on Wisconsin's Afternoon News.